Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Without it, we would not know what is right and what is wrong. Our consciences are fickle. We so often think that the right thing to do is indeed right when your word tells us it is clearly wrong. Lord, help us to look into your word at all times for how we are to live, because we are clueless without it. Our consciences can become deadened and hardened to the worst of crimes. Lord, help us this morning as we look at the crime of slavery and help us to understand what your word says about it and help us to live righteous lives before you as a result of looking at your word this morning together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Whenever we witness to someone, if we're a faithful Christian, the subject of the Bible comes up as to whether the Bible is relevant today. I remember having a conversation with a, a friend when I was studying at university doing my doctorate, and she was a very bright woman, and we were having a discussion about Christianity, and she said, Joel, the Bible is no longer relevant to us today. And I said, no, 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 it's a timeless document. It is something that goes on despite the generations and what people think, generation after generation. It is a timeless document. And she came back at me. She grew up in a Christian home, and so she had a bit of knowledge about the Bible. And she said, but Joel, you don't enslave people anymore, and yet the Bible encourages slavery. It is a time-limited document. It's written for a particular time for a particular people. It's not a timeless book like you would make, like to make out, Joel. And so I thought this morning as we look at this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, as we've been working through 1 Peter, we've come to the subject of slaves. And we've come to the verse 18 where it seems to encourage, in 1 Peter 2, slavery. That the Bible supports slavery, or at least encourages it. And so if we read verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 2, we think that is the case. 1 Peter chapter 2, which is page 1201 of the Black Church Bibles, I encourage you to have it open as we read this verse together. And look at what Peter the Apostle says. He says in verse 18, Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Here seems to be a blanket statement encouraging slavery. And it doesn't matter whether you've got a harsh master or a kind master. You should be the slave that you are. He doesn't tell them to get their freedom. He says, submit to your masters. And so it's not surprising that a non-Christian could read a verse like that and say, look, the Bible is time-limited. It encourages slavery there. And Christians today don't encourage slavery. And so you show that you moved on from the text that you have. And so I thought this morning, we're going to look at this text again next week, but I thought this morning we should discuss the subject of slavery and whether Christianity does indeed encourage slavery, whether the Bible is a time-limited document because it encourages slavery. And so my first main point this morning is to firstly point out to you that old world slavery was not new world slavery. If you've got a bulletin there, you've got my three main points this morning. And you can see there my first main point is that old world slavery was not new world slavery. 
Because when we think about slavery, what's the thing that jumps into your mind? Black African Americans, the slavery over there. Because we read a lot of American books, and I like reading a lot of American books. Um, We're influenced heavily by them. They're movies. You see movies about black slavery in America, and we watch those movies. And so when we think about slavery, often our perception is that kind of slavery. And it didn't just happen in America. Of course, it happened over in England as well, in the UK. Slavery was encouraged for many years in more recent uh, centuries. But we've got to remember that that kind of slavery, new world slavery, is very different from the old world slavery that we read about in the Bible. I'll give you some points about how the differences are. And, of course, if you've got your bulletin there, you can follow along. I've got the seven points outlined there, so you can uh, get them into your head. The first difference is that racial factors played no role. Because when we think about that kind of slavery, we think black African-American. And that was the case. The slaves weren't white people. They didn't enslave white people. They enslaved the blacks, the people that were shipped over, captured. And they were made slaves. But in the New Testament time... It wasn't about race. Anyone could be a slave. You could sell yourself into slavery. As a Roman, you could give up your freedom and give your, uh, yourself to someone else. It wasn't simply race. Everyone had the potential to be a slave. The other point is, the second point, is that slaves weren't a minority in the New Testament time. It's estimated that at, some, at one point, a third of the population were slaves. That's every third person is a slave. Whereas New World slavery, yeah, there were quite a lot of slaves brought over, but the white people were still the dominant race there. The free people were dominant. Whereas if you were a slave in New Testament times, you weren't a minority, a small people group. You were part of a bigger picture of lots of people there. The other thing, third thing, slaves weren't just ignorant labourers. We think... Yes, if you had a slave, you'd get them to do the dodgy stuff that you don't want to do. But slaves in the old world were actually educated. It was actually seen to be a good thing if you were a master to have your slave educated, pay for them to go through education, because that would add to their value if you were ever to sell the slave. But uh, it, And often the case ended up being that the master was less educated than the slave. So the slave wasn't ignorant It was actually, the slave was often more uh, intellectual, clever, than the master was. And so often the slaves had very important jobs. They could be managers of property, looking after, uh, have important responsibilities. They could serve as uh, different trained professionals, uh, carrying out uh, jobs like doctors, nurses, teachers, musicians, skilled artists. So they were actually trained up for these jobs, and so they were doing important jobs, not just menial tasks, which is what we often think about slaves. Fourth point, slaves could be wealthy. They were usually paid for their services, whereas we think slaves, unpaid, you don't get anything. Slaves were often wealthy, and sometimes slaves owned slaves. They were that wealthy. So they were a slave, but they still had slaves under them. They weren't just poor people that were getting... Uh, You were getting work out of them for nothing. Also, five, slaves had freedom for their traditions. Slaves had freedom to worship the gods that they wanted, their religious traditions, they could follow them, and cultural traditions. You couldn't make a slave serve your god because they were your slave. 
force them to do your religion. No, they had freedom to serve what they wanted to serve when it came to religion. And they also had uh, freedom to assemble for religious purposes without the master saying, you can't get together. Sixthly, laws protected slaves, particularly from cruelty and from murder. We often think slaves, the way they treated them, was just like having an animal. You treated the slave like a cow or a donkey or a horse that you owned. But no, there were laws, Roman laws, against cruelty to slaves. And particularly if you killed a slave, you'd be investigated as to why you murdered that slave and whether it was murder. And if you did, it was proven that you murdered the slave, you'd be punished for it. You couldn't get away with it. And then seventhly, this is a very important point, freedom was expected to eventually happen. We think slaves, what they did in America and the UK for centuries, where they had their slavery for life. There was no potential for freedom. And you see that with movies that you watch about uh, American slaves that are set free and then trying to prove their, their freedom. And just the face, their, their colour, they say, no, 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 you can't be free. And so there were laws against it. But here, freedom was expected. And usually by age 30, you were free. So if you were a slave, you expected, by the time I get to about 30 years of age, I'm going to be free. And usually the way you were free is because you paid for your freedom by your savings because you were getting paid to work, not simply working for free. So often you set yourself free, or you got your friends, family, pitch in to set you free, or your master could free you as well. But usually by age 30, you were free. And that's very different from the kind of slavery that we think. When we read the Bible and we see the word slave there, we think black, African-American, UK, African slaves. No, that's not the case at all. So under Roman law, slavery is best understood really as a process rather than a permanent condition, sort of like a process of social integration for outsiders. You want to come, be part of the Roman Empire? Well, you've got to be a slave first and work your way up to freedom. Kind of like today, if you go in to work for a business, you start out mopping the floor and then you gradually work your way up until you get to CEO and you hear of people doing that in companies again and again. They start out, bottom rung, and slowly work their way up. And that's kind of like what was going on at the time of the New Testament with slavery. Start out low, and you work your way up, and eventually you expect to get your freedom. So for the New Testament to say here, slaves submit to your masters, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh, is not that bad. Yes, it's not an outright condemnation of slavery. Yes, it's encouraging you to stay and be a good slave. But it's not the kind of slavery that we think. And so it's not that bad that Peter doesn't condemn it here. Because he's, he's really talking about a social institution that people move through to eventual freedom. But then, is slavery condemned at all in the Bible? Is it always going to be statements like this that are throughout the Bible? That submit to your masters, submit to your masters, submit to your masters. Or is there any evidence in the Bible that Christians were against slavery? Well, yes, there is. 
And that's my second main point this morning. The Bible discourages slavery. Not as firmly as we might think it should, but it does discourage slavery. And the first reason is uh, the Old Testament kind of slavery that we read of in Deuteronomy, uh, which Al read for us before. What was that kind of slavery? It was slavery that wasn't expecting to be set free by the time of age 30. You were expecting to be free by the time the seventh year rocked up. There was a seven-year cycle for slavery. And so it was never expected that you would be a slave forever. You're a slave for six years, and then on the seventh year we set free. And so it was encouraged that freedom is the preferred state, not slavery. You want to be free. And so every seven years God instituted, you will be free. That's the Old Testament. What about in the New Testament? Is slavery condemned? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we get a pretty good condemnation of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, which if you want to turn over to page 1132 of the Black Church Bibles, 1132, 1132, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we'll read from verse 20, and hear what Paul says about slavery. Little number 20, 1 Corinthians 7. Each one should remain in the situation which he was in when God called him. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. He's saying the preferred thing to do, get your freedom. Don't stay a slave. If you get the opportunity, don't say, oh, yeah, I'm happy being a slave, I'll stay. No, 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 get your freedom. But if you are a slave, stay the way you are. But if you can get that freedom... Do so. Another passage from Paul, 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, which is found on page uh, 1174. 1 Timothy 1, and we'll read from verse 9. 1,174 of the Black Church Bibles. 1 Timothy 1 reads from verse 9, little number 9, We also know that law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for adulterers and perverts, for slave traders and liars and perjurers. Where does slave trade come in? It comes in right after killing your father, killing your mother, murdering other people, adultery, perversions, lying and perjury. Slave trade is not the business for a Christian. It is outrightly condemned here that if you deal with the business of slavery, you're dealing with sin and it is completely wrong in God's eyes. And then another passage that tells us that slavery is seen to be a bad thing. Well, it, it's not so. Uh, it, it's seen to be not bad in God's eyes if you are a slave, that you're a lower social status. And that's Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-eight, a very famous verse, usually to do with the role of men and women. It is quoted. 
Paul in Galatians chapter 3, which is found on page 1153. Sorry for the flipping. I don't usually do this, but it's more of a topical sermon today. So, um, yeah, we'll jump around the Bible a bit. This is the last verse that we're going to move to. 1153, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, reads, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, some people look down upon slaves as inferior beings, as like a cow or a horse or a donkey. What does God view people as? They're all one in Christ Jesus, no matter whether they are slave or free. They're still right in God's eyes. Whereas other uh, religions, like Hinduism, they have caste systems, and they say that if you're of a lower caste, you're of lower status. What does God think of you if you're a slave? Same status if you're a Christian with a free person. And same with males and females. Doesn't matter whether you're a female, God still loves you. Men are not somehow superior to you because you're a female. You still have salvation just as much as the male, just as much as a slave or the free person, just as much as a Jew just as much as a Greek or a Gentile. It doesn't matter what race you are, doesn't matter what gender you are, doesn't matter what social status you are, whether you're a slave or a free person. God loves you and you are one of his. You are all one in Christ Jesus if you believe in him. And then the other reason that we see that slavery is bad in the Bible, is condemned, is because God does not talk highly of slavery to sin. Being a slave is not seen to be a good thing. It's seen to be a horrible thing, particularly if you're a slave to sin. If you're a slave to Satan, it is condemned again and again and held up against freedom as a child of God, being taken out of slavery to sin and being adopted into the family of God. That is what happens when you become a Christian. You are no longer serving Satan You are serving God as his child with the full rights of sonship. You are one of his children. And so slavery is not held up as a thing that is good. You want to be free. You want to be set free is what's said again and again in the Bible. Freedom is what you're after. Slavery is not what you're after. So then why didn't they oppose it more directly? I mean, these, these texts are good, particularly the one about slave trading. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. You can murder your mum, you're a slave trader just as bad uh, as murdering your mum. Why doesn't it go more full scale? We would like stronger texts, wouldn't we, about slavery? Well, we've got to remember, it's not that bad to be a slave in the New Testament times. We've got to try and remove our context and put it on the New Testament's context, our historical context to their historical context. We've got to be careful about doing that. The other thing is, it was a solution to debts. If you get into debt today, what do you do? You go borrow from the bank again, or you try and get some other way of dealing with your problems. These days, uh, it's easier to deal with your debt. Whereas in the New Testament times, there wasn't many options for you if you got into debt. And so one of the feasible options was to sell yourself into slavery for a period and pay yourself out and get out eventually. So it was a social institution that had a function. 
And so it's not surprising that they don't attack this social institution, the apostles and, uh, and Jesus, don't attack it as much as we would like. The other thing is, it's entirely possible that when these apostles say submit, like it does in 1 Peter chapter 2, and Paul says it at times as well, submit to being a slave, it's because if you're a good slave, what's likely to happen? You're going to get set free. If you're a bad slave and don't submit to your master and always causing problems, well, you certainly aren't going to get paid because you aren't doing any work and certainly not going to make your master favourable to setting you free. And so the right thing to do is for these apostles to say, be a good slave and eventually you're going to be a free citizen and you're going to be like the rest of us, a free man, a Roman citizen. And so that may be why they don't condemn it and why they encourage us to submit. Now, is there a point for us today about this slavery? Well, next week I'll do another sermon on the same sort of passage and talking about how it's relevant to us as employees with employers. And so that's what we'll look at next week. But I wanted to make this topic about slavery today because it is an issue that does come up as we talk to people about whether the Bible encourages slavery. And I want to encourage you this morning to, as a Christian, oppose bad forms of slavery, to discourage slavery. That's my third main point this morning. You should discourage slavery. Now, we don't have the same kind of slavery today that past centuries have seen. Thankfully, William Wilberforce, um, made more popular by a movie that came out a few years ago, Amazing Grace, uh, he was a Christian politician, uh, and he fought for... Uh, the freedom of uh, black um, in, in the UK. He went to the parliament there and argued year after year and gradually had the law changed so that people could be set free and so that slavery is not legal in the UK and in America because of William Wilberforce and his push uh, for the freedom. But slavery is still here today. I checked Encyclopedia Britannica, and when it, in 2000 they said that slavery defined to strictly as forced labour for little or no pay under the threat of violence engulfs by conservative estimates 27 million people around the world. That's a conservative estimate. So paring down the number to what they can be fairly certain of. 27 million people around the world are in a situation where they are forced to work for little or no pay under the threat of violence. If you don't work, I will hit you and may even kill you. There are people alive right now who are in that kind of situation. And so as a Christian, we should be fighting against that form of slavery that is out there. When we hear about it, that it's uncovered in certain countries... We should be writing to those governments and lobbying our own politicians to make them ashamed of allowing that kind of practice to go on in their countries and even mopping it up when it comes closer to home. There was an estimate uh, from a CIA report in November 1999 that as many as 50,000 women and children were trafficked into the U.S. over a 12-month period. 50,000 people in the U.S. as slaves in one year. In Australia, I'm sure there are people right now under the threat of violence who are working for pretty much nothing or very little pay whatsoever. When we become aware of that, we need to speak up against it as a Christian. That kind of slavery is not permitted. The Bible does not support it. 
And of course, we should pray against such governments. We should pray, God, curse governments that allow that kind of thing to happen. May they not prosper for allowing slave trade to go on within their nations. That's what we can do. We can also make sure that people get paid what they deserve. This is where trade unions have been an immense benefit in places like Australia. I mean, trade unions can be too much power at times, but they have done enormous benefits for getting people what they deserve, getting equal pay. Because if you didn't have trade unions, there are people alive today in Australia who would work you to the bone without the health benefits, without the work cover, with very little pay whatsoever. We should be supporting such activities. When I was working for Target, when I was going through uni, retail, I was in the union and I knew my rights um, a little too well for the manager's liking. But yes, I knew that when I, um, when I worked a certain period, I deserved so many breaks. I deserved a tea break for a certain period of time. I deserved a lunch break for a certain period of time. And I made sure I got it. Didn't matter how busy it was in the toy department close to Christmas. I got my hour lunch break because that's what I deserve. And that's what we need to do as well. We need to stand up for our rights. Otherwise, people will walk all over you and you will end up being a slave. Now, we can take it too far, but we should remember to oppose work practices in our own country and overseas that take advantage of people. That's what we can do as Christians. But lastly, I just want to speak to you if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. We love that you're here this morning, part of our service. We hope that you come back. But I want to speak to you about the worst kind of slavery known to man, and that is slavery to sin. Slavery to a person is one thing, but slavery to sin and Satan is a whole other ball game. It is the worst kind of slavery because you are caught in that until you die and then are punished for eternity. You need to be set free from the worst kind of slavery. And how do you get set free from that? The only way, we are told, is through Jesus Christ. If you're a slave to sin, it's not like the slavery of the New Testament where you're getting paid and you can eventually buy your own freedom. If you're a slave to sin, you can't set yourself free at all. You need somebody else to pay the price to set you free. And the only person who's ever been able to do that is the only person who was never a slave to sin, the person who had no deceit in his mouth, and that was Jesus Christ. He died on the cross as a substitute, as a ransom. The cost of being set free from slavery is death and eternal punishment in hell, which means you never get out. But Jesus, because he was God, because he was sinless, he could go to the cross and bear the punishment, bear that price to set you free. And so he sets people free from slavery to sin as no one else can. How do you accept that payment by him? Through repentance and faith. You admit that you are sorry for your sins and you trust that Jesus paid that ransom price for you and sets you free from slavery to sin so that you no longer do what Satan wants and what sin wants. Instead, you do what God wants and serve him 
in a way that you cannot if you have not been set free from sin. If that is you, I encourage you to do that this morning. Repent of your sins. Say you're sorry to God for what you've done and believe that Jesus paid the price so that you could be set free from slavery. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have revealed to us how we are to live and glorify you. Lord, we thank you that we can understand your word when we look at it in its historical context and not jump to conclusions that it is wrong, but we can understand how it was written and how it still applies to us today. Lord, we thank you that you have ended the terrible atrocities of slavery in the Western world, that so much horror happened in the past that no longer happens today. And we thank you that you have used Christianity to accomplish much of that. We pray that we as Christians may continue to oppose the despicable acts of violence against people so that we can profit. Lord, we pray that we may oppose such practices and even put to death such desires in our own heart to take advantage of others. And Lord, we thank you most of all for setting free us from slavery to sin, that Jesus Christ came and paid the ransom price that only he could pay and has set us free, and we are free indeed. Lord, we do pray for anyone here this morning. We pray that they may recognize that they are not a free person if they have not believed in Jesus Christ, that they are enslaved. And we pray that they may desire to be free. And we pray that they may repent of their sins and believe in Jesus' death for them. And may they be free indeed here this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.